I come here, I feel like I'm among friends. I see a lot of faces that I recognize, and it's good to be with you here tonight. And it's good to be thinking about Thanksgiving, and the thoughts that Leon shared are very true. And we so often tend to forget, and we need to be reminded to be thankful. Well, there's a lot of things that I could talk about tonight, but I felt a... As I studied, I was led in this certain direction. Before we get there, uh, something for you to think about. I was driving down through Adamstown, a little town there by us, and on the church sign down there, I think it's St. Paul's, on the sign, it was speaking about Thanksgiving. It said, will you be thankful or just full? And I never heard it put that way before, but I thought that was pretty good. This Thanksgiving, will you be thankful or just full? I want to begin my sermon tonight by telling you about an experiment. And this experiment became very famous. It was done by Franz de Waal and his associates, and they, they took two capuchin monkeys and they put them in a cage that was divided with wire so the monkeys could see each other. And in front of the cage was plexiglass. It looked like plexiglass to me. And it had some holes in that the monkeys could reach out, but of course they couldn't escape. And they, they taught these monkeys that if, if they would put, uh, it looked like a little pebble or a little token, if they would put that into their cage, the monkey would simply pick that up and hand it back out again, they would receive a reward. And the reward that they would get was a piece of cucumber. And the monkeys were very willing to do that, uh, they happily gave the token back for a piece of cucumber. And then they began by giving the one monkey a grape instead of a cucumber. And the monkeys liked the grapes better than the cucumbers. And so the monkey that didn't get the grape, that still received a cucumber, would no longer accept the cucumber. And... It's very interesting. They would put the token into the cage, give the one monkey a grape when he gave it back, and the next monkey, they would do the same thing, and they would give it a cucumber, and the, the monkey would throw the cucumber and slap the platform there with his hand as if to say, where's my grape? Grab the front of the cage. And he no longer wanted to accept a cucumber for a reward. He wanted a grape because somebody else was getting a grape. And you know, I thought about myself and how that I can be a bit like that angry monkey because my expectations are not being met. You know, many times we say, if only I had what so-and-so has, I could be thankful. You know, I, I do the same as that person does, and the results are always different. 
you know, I study the same. They get an A and I get a C. I work just as hard. They get a dollar hour raise and I get a quarter. You know, I follow the recipe just like they do and their baking is perfect and mine falls flat. I eat healthy just like they do and and they are healthy, but I'm sick. You know, I try hard to make friends as hard as they do and they have friends and I can't seem to make any friends. You understand I think you know what I'm talking about. Many times we tend to look around. And when life is not meeting my expectations, I can't be grateful. And I start to slap around and, oh, God, where are the grapes? I'm tired of the cucumbers. And so tonight, the title of this message is More Than Grapes and Cucumbers. How can I be thankful when I feel like life has given me cucumbers? And I, you know, there's a popular thought, and I probably have expressed this myself already, that if I can just change my perspective, and if I can just see the little good things that happen in my life, you know, maybe I can change my perspective and, and understand that, that some people are going to get grapes and maybe I'll get cucumbers, but, but I'll adjust my expectations to accommodate cucumbers and, and then I can be thankful for cucumbers. And maybe there is some truth to that, but I think there's more to life than grapes and cucumbers. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 116. Psalm 116 says this. I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted, and I said in my haste, All men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. 
Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. We don't know who wrote this psalm, but he says, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, and he inclined his ear unto me. I love the Lord because he hears my voice. Think about that. Even in trials, it seems like throughout this psalm, the psalmist is talking about the difficulties and the trials that he has had in life. And it says, In verse 9, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. The NLT says it this way, And so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. And he says at the end of the psalm, in verse 17, he says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. What is he talking about? Here in this psalm, he talks about loving the Lord. He talks about the difficulties that he goes through in life and how that God helps him through those things. And he says, I'm going to offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. If we go to Leviticus chapter 7, it tells us about the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Leviticus chapter 7, verse 11. It says, And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer unto the Lord. And And the thanksgiving offering is classified as a peace offering. Verse 12, it says, If he offer it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. And of it he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord. And it shall be the priest that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day that it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until the morning." Now we'll come back there, but let's go to Leviticus chapter 22, where again it talks about the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Leviticus 22, verse 29. 
And when ye will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. On the same day it shall be eaten up. Ye shall leave none of it until the morrow. I am the Lord. Therefore shall ye keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. Neither shall ye profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord which hallow you, that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Now let's just look at some of these verses and think about what the sacrifice of thanksgiving means. We notice in chapter 7, verses 12 and 13, that the sacrifice of thanksgiving involved bringing bread. Not only unleavened bread, which was the usual thing for sacrifices, but also in in verse 13, it talks about bringing leavened bread or bread with yeast in it. In Exodus 23, verse 18, God instructs instructs his people, when you bring a a sacrifice for a burnt offering, you may not bring leavened bread. You may not bring that. But here, in the sacrifice of thanksgiving, God says, you bring both leavened and unleavened bread. Now we know that leaven is is a, a symbol of sin, and, and because of God's holiness, he didn't want to accept that in the sacrifices. So then why here in, in the sacrifice of thanksgiving, why do they bring both? And, and I can't find this anywhere in the Bible, but perhaps it has something to do with our life being marred by trouble and sin. You know, in... in In Psalm 116, he talked about the trouble that he had in life. And not only in this sacrifice of thanksgiving, it's not just about holiness, but it's also about our life marred by trouble and sin. And we bring it all to God and we say, thank you. Thank you for this life of mine. And I thank you for all of it. Leavened and unleavened bread. We already noticed that the sacrifice of thanksgiving is one of the peace offerings. And and I think that thanksgiving is tied to peace, or peace is tied to thanksgiving. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. It says that we should let the peace of God rule in our hearts. And that, if you look into that, that means that we should let God's peace be the umpire in our life. Should be the controlling influence in our life is peace. And so thanksgiving, the the thanksgiving offering is tied to peace. Another thing we notice is that it tells us that this sacrifice is to be shared. You do it for the Lord 
and the priest gets his share, and then you probably invited friends, maybe your family was with you, and you had a feast, and you gave thanks. And it tells us that none was to be left over for the next day. When you gave a Thanksgiving offering, the meat that was not the priest's would be given to you, and it was all to be eaten in one day. And I think about Thanksgiving and how that, you know, Thanksgiving that's not expressed isn't Thanksgiving, right? If you never tell anybody that you're thankful, it's not really Thanksgiving. Nobody knows. But Thanksgiving needs to be shared. It needs to be expressed. And again, Thanksgiving is, needs to be a continual exercise. Um, tomorrow, uh, the, 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 uh, your Thanksgiving from yesterday is no, you know, you need to be thankful again for, for a new day. And so Thanksgiving needs to be expressed and it, Thanksgiving is a continual exercise. <clears throat> It seems that the thanksgiving offering was also, the sacrifice of thanksgiving was voluntary. It says in verse 29 of chapter 22, offer it at your own will. And, and that can be translated in other ways, but it seems like the thanksgiving offering was not required, but it was voluntary. And it's the same, it's the same way today. Thanksgiving is voluntary. But then notice, maybe more importantly than all of those things, it says in verse 32, neither shall ye profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed, or I will be made holy among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who makes you holy, that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. So you see, the principle behind all the sacrifices and laws, but also the sacrifice of thanksgiving, was that God wants us to claim him as our own. And he wants to be our God. And he wants to make us holy like he is. And that is why the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. Ephesians three seventeen, That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height that Christ may dwell in your hearts. You see, the principle behind the sacrifice is that God wants to be our God, and here it tells us that he wants to dwell in our hearts. And I would like to illustrate this with an illustration. 29 years ago, I was getting ready to go to an auction 29 years ago tomorrow, I went to an auction. I was a young man, and I wanted to buy a house. And my father, as I recall, 
was asked to preach somewhere Thanksgiving morning. And he said to me, if you want to go to the auction, you go ahead. I think it's a good place. You could buy it. And so I asked my girlfriend to go with me. And we weren't engaged, but I was there to look at a house. And I ended up buying that house. And you know what? It was an old brick house. Um, The old man that lived there had built it. And he had put no paint on the walls. And so the walls were black, and we had to paint. I remember refinishing a hardwood floor, make the floor nice, get up early in the morning before I went to work and put another coat of, it wasn't varnish, something special for hardwood floors, put that on there. I remember cleaning out the old appliances and the junk that didn't get sold at the sale, lots of stuff I had to clean out of there. We put in new light fixtures, and I remember refinishing the kitchen cabinets. The bushes out front were overgrown. We had to tear them out and and get nice bushes to put in. We put up a new mailbox, and Beth picked out new flooring. Oh, we bought a kitchen table. Why did we do all that? Because we wanted a place that we could call home. We wanted to make a home for ourselves. And this is the idea here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. That Christ may dwell. That he can find a home in your heart. He's here to renovate. He wants to be your God. And he wants to live in your heart. It talks there in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants to settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your heart. And then he goes on in verse 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end amen and you hear this verse being quoted and people talk about God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what I can ask or think and and I want this and I want that and God can do this for me but I don't see I don't see that as being what it's saying here it says that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. He wants to work in you and to create in you a home, a place where he can live and dwell. And so as we think about thanksgiving... Thanksgiving in its truest sense, it's not about grapes and cucumbers. It's not about what I have, but it's about who lives in my heart. It's the foundation for Thanksgiving. My daughter is taking some classes at Rack, and... She comes home and and tells me some of the things that she hears from other students or even from professors, and they have nothing to base their life on. 
I don't know what they would give thanks to. Brothers and sisters, tonight, it's because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ in our hearts that we have a reason to be thankful. This is why David can say in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. There's no lack. Why? Is it because everything is going okay and every oh, it's all grapes and no cucumbers? A little later he says, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And I don't have to be afraid. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we have that, it's his presence with us and in us. That's the foundation for a thankful heart. And that means that Grapes and cucumbers become much less important. The things that we have, yes, we ought to be thankful for them. And, and you need to thank God for all of our blessings. But that is not the basis for thanksgiving. The basis for thanksgiving is because we know Jesus Christ and because he's transforming us, making a place to live in me. And no matter what happens... That cannot be taken away from you. All the grapes and the cucumbers can be taken away. The good things and the bad things that happen can all be taken away. But your relationship with Jesus Christ can never be taken away. And it can be a source of joy and praise and thanksgiving no matter what. I thought of Mary and Martha and how that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said, she chose the good part, and it can't be taken away from her. And so when we have a relationship with Jesus, that is the good thing that cannot be taken away from us. And it is so much more important than whether we get a grape or a cucumber in life. Let's stand for prayer, and then we'll have a closing song. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us. Thank you for this time of year when we're reminded about being thankful. And Lord, we thank you for all the good things that you give us. And we want to be grateful people. But most of all, Lord, we thank you that you want to live in us and make a suitable place to live. Lord, you want to dwell in us. And Father, it is that relationship that we desire more than anything else. And we ask that as we consider that, as, as, as we want you to be in our hearts, that the things around us, the things on this earth, would grow strangely dim as we have that relationship with you. And Lord, we know it can't be taken away. Everything else is is temporal, but our relationship with you is something that's going to last forever. And Lord, we desire it. And we want to make that relationship the basis 
of our thanksgiving this year. Bless these people. Bless each one as they go their way from here. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a thankful people and to be people that love you and follow you. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen.